We are in a series where we are talking about the return of the Lord, the return of Jesus, that just like he came the first time, he is coming again. And ready or not, he's coming. As a matter of fact, it doesn't matter if you don't think he is coming. He's not going to ask you. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, the, his coming, like his first coming, is going to be on his terms. And at the moment that he selects and chooses. However, the scripture does suggest to us that we can have somewhat of a countdown that we can have indicators that help us to know approximately when the Lord's return will happen. Uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but about one-third of your Bible is prophecy. A lot of that prophecy has already been fulfilled, such as the prophecy of the town that Jesus exactly would be born in, which was just a small little town. And uh, the uncanny uh, prophecies about Israel and, and about the life of Jesus, even about the death of Jesus, the resurrection, a lot, lot of Bible prophecy. But there's a huge amount of prophecy about the second coming of the Lord. When, when he returns, there are over 300 references in the New Testament to that event. 27 books in the New Testament and 23 of those talk about the return of Jesus. Uh, pinpointed accuracy on many Events such as even uh, a couple thousand plus years ago, uh, Daniel prophesied about a country that uh, of a people called Rosh, which is the uh, starter name of the country we know as Russia. And he says these Rosh people will come from the north and they will march against Israel in the last days. And for many years now, I feel like we've kind of ignored Russia. That, you know, for some of us, we remember the USSR. Uh, we remember the Soviet Union. We remember uh, the competition between the US and the USSR. And uh, since that time and the, and the uh, alleviation of the USSR, I think many people have thought, okay, Russia's just going to go over there and sit and play nice and, and not really do anything. And uh, we have seen that Russia wants to be in the headlines and that they are determined to not just sit back. And the Bible prophesied uh, that that would happen in events such as that. But I love most of all the prophecy that Jesus is coming again. He is coming again. And I just want to announce that today. I want to announce it to people battling depression I want to announce it to people who are overwhelmed by the culture. I want to announce it to every person who is feeling defeated today. I want to announce it to every person who feels like, uh, when is it ever going to end? When is, when is my pain going to end? And I want to let you know that Jesus is coming again. He is coming back. I want all of Hendricks County to know that Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. And here's how he said it. 
Jesus himself in John 14 said, do not let your hearts be troubled. So when Jesus is announcing his return, he's telling us, don't be troubled. You know, when you see Russia stirring, when, when you see the economy getting sideways, when you see things happening that could cause you to be shaken or to be troubled, don't be troubled. Why? Because you believe in God. How many believe in God today? <laughs> believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. Say that with me. I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. He wants us to be with him. In Acts chapter one, it's the recorded final words that Luke records for us that were spoken by Jesus on a mountain that he will come back to. The Bible says this is the very mountain that he's going to come back to when he returns to planet Earth. And I'll explain some more of that next week and in the following week. But he, he's going to come back to this very mountain that the disciples were gathered on when he went up into heaven. And here's what he says and records for us. He says, after he said this, he was taken up from their very eyes on this mountaintop. And a cloud hid him from their sight. So he, he, he goes up, evidently, slow enough that they'd see him rising and disappearing into the clouds and the atmosphere. And, and so they're looking intently, how many think you might be too, <laughs> up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. He is coming back. The Bible's clear. This is one of the main doctrines of the Bible. And unfortunately, many people don't know too much about that. And so I want to fix that today. I at least want to fix it for you that are here, you that are watching online, because uh, some of us, I think, sense that it might just be a little different today. That, that there could be a shifting going on. Some of us that have maybe grown up hearing this preached and we have seen events change in our lifetime. We have seen things happen and progress to where we believe that we are getting close to the coming of the Lord. And one of those things uh, I talked about a little bit last week, and we're going to talk about it some more in the coming weeks, is moral decay. You know, the Bible says, in the last days, terrible times will come. That, that people will be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. How many know the word selfie, right? And the Bible says, said, predicted that. The Bible says that in the last days, people will be in love with themselves. They'll turn the camera around. They won't be taking pictures of their family. They'll be taking pictures of themselves. And there'll be moral decay that we see all around us. I, I see that in America. 
I see the moral decay that's, that's happened. But at the same time, here's the good news, is there'll be revival. That while the Bible says in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. You know, I, I think you can look around and you can say, now where is so-and-so? You know, they, they used to come to church. They used to, you know, be here all the time. They used to be a part of us. And, and where are they? And the Bible says, in the last days, the love of many, it'll just grow cold. It's kind of like a coal when you move it over away from the flame. When you move it away from the other coals, it doesn't take long for it to go out. And the Bible says at the same time that's happening, all that shifting, that there'll be an end time revival. That there'll be an end time pouring out of God's spirit. As a matter of fact, Joel prophesied this. Then it's reiterated in Acts chapter two that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. The, the Bible talks about a former rain and a latter rain. That they'll be, and, and, and used an agricultural analogy that the Israelites especially would have been used to is that former rain to get the seed to go in and then this latter rain before the harvest that was needed to make the harvest ready. And scripture uses that picture, uses that analogy to say before the return of the Lord, God's going to pour out his spirit on this planet. And I say today, if he's going to pour it out, pour it out here. Pour it out here. Pour it out in Avon. How many think we need it? Pour it out in Hendricks County. Pour it out in Central India. Why not? Let it fall right here. Now, why is he coming back? Now, this is where some people, you know, in, in talking about the return of the Lord, uh, talk about how, you know, he's going to have fire in his eyes and he's going to have, you know, come in on a horse and he's going to, you know, slay all these people and there's going to be blood up to the bridle of the horse. There's going to be all this devastation. And I want you to know that's in there. And we'll talk some more about that. But I want you to know the motivation of Jesus to come back is he wants you to live in his house with him forever. He can't wait. He, he can't wait. He's anticipating that day. He wants to be with his family. And so here's the thing is, is we, we get this confused in our culture because I want you to know today, God, you, you came from God and you go back to God. You were a God idea, okay? I don't care what the circumstances were around your birth. If people called it an accident, it wasn't an accident. Because before you were ever born, before anyone ever laid eyes on you, Scripture says God knew you in the womb. He knew you ahead of time. So we're not just a bunch of, of um, atoms and molecules coming together. We are from God and we go back to God. In other words, you are more than pongu. Okay? So I know there are people who teach that there, there was this planet that was just out here, and somehow or another, 
that, that the sun was just the right distance away, just by chance, by circumstance, that the, the gases and the liquids and, and all that was on this planet began to swirl and swirl and swirl. And, and, and there was like this pond that was formed and it swirled and then pretty soon something was swimming in it. And then and, and as it was swimming in it, one day after a long time of swimming around in the swirl, it, it swirled and popped out on, on the ground. And, and as it popped out there, it grew legs and began to hop around and jump around. And then one day its tail fell off. And, and then after a while longer, it grew hair and began to climb trees and began to make sounds. And, and then one day, its hair fell off and it became a human. And, and from that day on, then all these humans lived on the planet. And how many know you gotta have a lot of faith to believe that? That's like some of the best science fiction that anybody could ever come up with. But, but I think that's the reason why we take life so, so insignificant. Because if all you are is a bunch of swirling goo, if all you really are back there is just a bunch of swirling goo that came around and, and finally developed into you, I, I get it why people take someone else's life because you're, you're just a bunch of goo anyway. You're, you're not a person. But instead, I want you to know that you have dignity. There, there's something different about you. There's something unique about you. There's something unlike anything else in the universe about you. And it's the stamp of God, your creator, upon your life. That's the reason why you're valuable. Don't you ever think, I don't care if nobody in the whole school thinks you're valuable. I don't care if you're on the outcast. I don't care if you eat in the lunchroom by yourself every day. I don't care if you drive yourself to school by, by yourself. Nobody even wants to ride with you. I don't care if at work you feel isolated and feel alone. I don't care if your marriage isn't working. I don't care what's going on in your life. If you lost every job you've ever had, your life matters to God. It matters. You're more than pond goo. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are more than pond goo. That's right. We saw last week when we talked about the woman at the well. How many were here for the woman at the well? And um, if you weren't, go back and watch that message. It's so important to this church that you watch that message because it's our mission of what we're to be about in the last days. And we saw how God not only loves us, but he likes us. How, how we don't have to be like other people, but you do have to like other people. You do have to give them some love. And God loves people. He loves you more than any human being has ever loved you. Someone said, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Right? He loves you. So the question, again, that we keep coming back to is this. Are we living in the last days? Are we living in the last days? And I like what someone said. They said, you're living in your last days. So the question's really not, are we living in the last days? Because the reality is you're living in your last days. 
And you don't know how many more of those you have for sure. And so in light of that, how should you live? And if you knew that Jesus was coming back tomorrow, if you knew it, if somehow, someway God messaged you and, and you knew that he was coming tomorrow, would you change how you live today? Would you? Then why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you just go ahead and live like that? Call those people and forgive them. Go ahead and love on that person. Go ahead and be bold in your faith and share with other people around you. Here's what he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul is talking and, and he writes to this awesome church and he says, now brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you. Well, why not? Here's why. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. He says, we don't need to write, we don't need to tell you when he's going to come back because we don't know when he's going to come back. He says, but here, here's something you can know is when people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not. Notice this. You in the church, hello? Christian, believer, saved, redeemed of the Lord. You are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. And, and that's what I'm trying to do these several weeks is help you so that you're not surprised. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. I want you to know you don't belong to the darkness. Don't live like the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep. The world, the culture's asleep. Let us be awake and sober for those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, and, and, and this is a word, by the way, if you're unfamiliar with Bible prophecy, the scriptures over and over again talk about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is the return of the Lord. That's what it's talking about. So the day of the Lord. So we belong to that day. So let us be sober, and look at what he says, putting on faith and love as a breastplate. Remember when we talked about that just a few weeks ago? Yes. All right, I was hoping more than two of you would say, I remember that. <laughs> love is a breastplate and the hope of salvation is a helmet, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. Here's one of the reasons why, and we'll talk about this more next week. Don't miss next week. I'm, I'm gonna give you the book of Revelation next Sunday. And so he did not appoint us to wrath, it says. And so many people, many, many Bible scholars believe this is why the church will be sucked off the planet in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, in a flash. The believers will be gone. All those filled with the Spirit of God will be gone from this world. But to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, he died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Here's why he's coming back. Not to set the world on fire, not to bring damnation, not to send people to hell, not to all. No, to live together with him. He wants you to live with him. For all of eternity. So knowing that, here's what he says. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. So we should be encouraging each other. This is one of the most encouraging messages that I could ever preach. Because if you're ready, you're excited. You're excited. So how 
do we get ready? How, how do we get ready? The countdown is going. And Jesus is about to come, ready or not. So how do you get ready? The Bible calls it prepared. In other words, prepared, not scared. Prepared. I want to prepare you today. Here's the first thing that we're going to see is we need to be right with God. Be right with God. Where, where does that come from? First Peter chapter four, Peter, the, the Peter that you know of perhaps as one of the disciples of Jesus, one of the 12 that walked with Jesus for three or, or a little over three years. The end of all things is near, he says. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. He says, you, you, better, you, you better get clear-minded. You know, it, it, you can get, how many have had brain fog, right? <laughs> or COVID fog or whatever, and, and stuff like that we talk about today. And, and he says, don't get in sin fog. Don't get in culture fog. Don't get fogged over to where you don't see clearly what is coming, or better, who is coming. And so what happens is, and you know this, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. When, when you become a Christian, here's one of the best things about being becoming a Christian. Not just you get to go to heaven, not just your sins are forgiven, but the Holy Spirit comes and starts living inside of you. And, and the Bible says he, he does things like this, and we've looked at this just recently, where he'll say, hey, go to the right. We, we just talked about that last week. Or go to the left. Here, here's what you ought to do. Here's the way you ought to live. And so the Holy Spirit does this. I grew up hearing it as conviction. Holy Spirit conviction. And, and here's how this works. When you think I am gonna text them back, mm, mm, I, I'm gonna show them. And the Holy Spirit says, mm-mm, no. Do not push send. Do not go forward. You, you need to change that up. You need to bless those who curse you. You need to love on those who hate you. So don't, don't you do that. The Holy Spirit convicts. And listen, when he convicts, he does it to help us to live right. Because 1 John 1, 9, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. This would be a great one for you to memorize. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Isn't that good? I said, isn't that good? I, I, so, I, I like it. I don't know about you, but I love that one because I need that one. I need forgiveness. I need cleansing. I need, and, and here's why. Because we're getting ready for a wedding. I've done a lot of weddings. I don't even know how many weddings that I've done. But I do know this. In every wedding, it's all about the bride. <laughs> right? It's all about the bride. And the bride getting ready. And how many know the wedding doesn't start till the bride is ready? I don't care if Uncle Leroy or whoever is here or not. <laughs> Nothing's starting until the bride's ready. Am I right? I mean, I mean it ain't, it, everybody me sitting there, what is going on? The bride's not ready. <laughs> bride's not ready. That's what it is. And, and here's what it is. When, when I started doing marriages years ago, there weren't as many things to help the bride get ready. You know what I'm saying? As what there are today. I mean, there's a lot. There's like treatments, right? 
There, there's nails, there's toenails, fingernails, hair, face. I mean, makeup artists. <laughs> and, and, and then there's photographers because you got to photograph the whole thing. Like not the after, but the during even. Here we are getting ready for the event. And all, it, it's a lot. How many know it's a lot? How many dads can say it's a lot? <laughs> and the, the scripture, here, here's what maybe you don't know. The scripture refers to you, to me, to the church as the bride of Christ. In other words, we ought to be getting ourselves ready because he's coming. He's coming. And in, in the ancient times, it was all about the groom. And the groom could show up at any moment. So the bride had to live ready because he could come back right now. He could come back at this moment. And look at what Revelation, we'll get, we'll get back to Revelation next week. But here's Revelation 19, 7 says, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. See, we are the bride of Christ. We're to be ready. Second Peter chapter three, verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare since everything will be destroyed in this way. What kind of people ought you to be? That is a great question for every Christian. In light of the fact that your Home is going to be gone in light of the fact that your yard that you've so taken care of, that your RV, your, your cars that you've polished and shined and, and poured thousands of dollars into to get renovated so that you can drive it on sunny, clear days. The, the, all the things, all the things. Here's what, here's what Peter's saying. He says, in light of the fact that all that's going to be gone in a moment, in an instant, what kind of person should you be? What kind of person should you be? Here's, he goes ahead and answers it. You ought to live holy and godly lives. That, that's what you ought to be doing. Y'all be focusing on polishing yourself because you're getting ready to meet the Lord, right? You're getting ready to meet the one who died for your sins. You're getting ready to meet the one who rose from the dead. You're getting ready to meet the one who came when nobody was looking for him and made such a difference on this planet without ever writing a book or doing anything like that, that kind of thing. But yet we date our calendars because of his life and influence, which was just with a few in a very obscure part of the world. And yet today, Today, there are billions of people who worship that same Jesus and he is coming back. I think we ought to get ready. We need to get ready. And so to help us get ready, we, we have helps that we do at this church like grief share and, and, and divorce care and, and we offer counseling and FPU because you ought to get your act together as much as possible because Jesus is coming back. So be right with him, Peter says. And then the second thing Peter says is he says, be connected to his body. Look at this. In first, let's pick it up where we left off in our text. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. 
How many ever say, sure, we can do that. But inside you're like, ugh. Why did I agree to that? I don't want them coming to my house, messing up on my carpet and everything. They don't take their shoes off at the door like any sane human being ought to, you know. Uh-oh, better move on here. God, God uses relationships. Listen to me. God uses relationships to help us and to heal us, to, to bring help and healing to our lives. He says, if you confess your faults to one another, you'll be healed. Not confess your faults to me. You'll be forgiven if you do that. But if you want healing, do it to each other. If you want real emotional healing, if you want me to be able to do a deeper work in you, you need to get with other people. And that's why we have life groups. We talk so much about life groups. How many know, we, we just got, we just had a whole bunch of people in the last week, or a couple weeks ago, that got out here and joined life groups for the first time. It was over 20 people that came out there and said, I need to be in a group. Yeah. Whoever you are, we celebrate you. But, but it's, how many know it's not good if your head is here and your body's over there? That's not a good day, is it? That's not a good day. It's not a good day if my arm, one of my arms, I don't care, just pick one, is over there and I'm over here. That's not good. And yet, many of us function our lives that way. We, did you know that the average person today attends church about one out of four Sundays of the month? Now, I'm glad I'm in an above average church. Come on, somebody, celebrate with me. If that's you, if that's you, if this is your one out of four, we'll see you in four weeks. Now, you better be back for Revelation next week. But a disconnected body is not a good thing. In Hebrews chapter 10 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And look at this. And all the more as you see the what? The day. What is the day? It's the return of the Lord. He says, when you see the day approach it, you better get together even more. And let me tell you something. You need, you need fellowship. And you don't just need this room. You need the hallways. You need the lobby space. You need the cafe area. You, you need the living rooms of people through the week. You need the connection with other people. You need all of that. You, you need to serve on the dream team. You need to come here and huddle up with other people and say, let's pray today before we go out here and serve as greeters. People are going to be coming in these doors. We have no idea what burden they bring. We have no idea what's on their hearts. We have no idea, but we can smile at them. We can give them the love of Jesus before they even hear a sermon. They're going to hear one from us that God loves them. He cares for them. Come on, let's pray for him. See, and, and here's what I think. I think you're going to have a hard time making it in the last days without fellowship. I, I think in these last days, with, if you don't have godly relationships in your life, are you hearing me? You're going to have a hard time in these last days. And that's what he's talking about. Here's the third thing that Peter says is you need to be making a difference in the last days. Look, look at this. Let's pick it up where we left off. First Peter chapter four, verse 10. Peter goes on to say, each one of us should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. 
faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory, power forever and ever. Amen. Let me tell you something. You need to know what it feels like to be used of God. You need to know. See, this is why a lot of people think church is boring. Church isn't boring. You're boring. Okay? I, I, I said that as nice as I can say it. I don't, I don't know. You're boring. Because it's not boring to serve and feel the surge of the anointing of the power of the Holy Spirit using you in whatever capacity from the parking lot to this altar after services, praying for people. It makes no difference where you're serving, anywhere. When you serve and you feel God's power, God's presence flowing through you, see, this is why we have growth track. Growth Track meets every week. Next month, we're starting up a new session of Growth Track, four Sundays that you could commit. And I know that's huge. But, but if you would commit and you, you'd find your purpose in the family of God, I'm telling you, you'll be addicted. You'll be addicted. Be, because then, then you'll be part. It won't be like the hand laying over there. It'll be like, oh, wow, look at this. Look at what I can do. And isn't it fun being with everybody else and serving alongside of everyone else? Let me give you one more scripture and then we're gonna pray. It's one I grew up hearing when someone would preach along this topic as an indicator of the coming of the Lord. It's Matthew 24, verse 14. This is Jesus speaking. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Like I said last week, it's not just about you get ready, it's are you ready to get others ready? And last week, I did everything I knew to do to help you get ready. Again, you may need to rewatch that. You may need to rewatch it multiple times. You, you need to get it in your spirit that you have something to give to this other person because they may not know that Jesus is coming back at any time. And it's not just about, oh, try not to go to hell. It's about you need some heaven on earth, and we're gonna talk about that in a few weeks. That God also wants to pour out his spirit on you. God wants to give you a little bit of heaven on earth. God wants to redeem you. He wants to save you. He wants to rescue you from yourself. And, and there are many people, family of God, that aren't ready. As a matter of fact, from what I read and research and what I've tried to study and people I've talked to, probably right here in our community, two out of three people do not have a vibrant connection to the living God. Now, they may tell you, I go to church on Christmas and Easter, <laughs> you know, and... Uh, that they may tell you, oh, I'm a Christian because I'm an American. <laughs> Ain't we all Christians in America? <laughs> no. No. You have to get born again. You have to have the Spirit come in you. And you can tell when somebody has the Spirit in them. 
And I'm not talking about getting religion. I'm talking about getting connected to the one who is coming back for his bride. So, so when I read this scripture, and I've had others weigh in on it, it reads like you and me, the, the two of us, us, we could speed it up. We could speed up the return of the Lord. Because perhaps one of the only things holding him back from coming today is your neighbor who doesn't know him yet. Your coworker who doesn't know him yet. Your friends, your acquaintances, the, the people around you. It could be he's wanting them to have one more chance. And I don't know about you, but that's convicting to me that I need to be getting ready myself. I need to make sure I'm ready. But one of the ways I can get myself ready is to make sure other people are ready as well. Let's pray. Father, we are excited about the return of the Lord for so many reasons. But yet at the same time, we know we, we need to be busy. Some of us need to get busy cleaning up our act. Some of us need to get busy cleaning house so that we look like a bride ready for the groom. Because we know you as the groom could come at any moment. We see the signs. We see what's happening. And God, even if it, even if it doesn't happen in the next 10 years still, we could live like it would. We could live differently, and if we did, it would make a difference in other people's lives. Heaven would get populated, and hell would get depopulated. So help us, God. Maybe you're here today, and you'd say, Craig, I need to do some things in myself to get ready. There's some things, the Holy Spirit's convicting me today. There's some things in my life that, that I, I need to clean house. I, I need to go home. I need to clean. I, I need to clean up my act. I, there's some things that I, I meditate on. There's some things that I do. There's some things I participate in. There's some things in my life that I, I feel convicted today. The Holy Spirit's just gently telling me I need to do some cleaning to help get myself ready. Or maybe you're here and you'd say, I need to get others ready. I, I'm doing okay for myself, but, but I'm not influencing the amount of people around me that I feel the Lord would have me to. And so I need to be about my father's business. I need to reach out more, more often in a clearer way, in a more direct way, in a loving way to those around me to help get them ready. If that's you, either one of those situations, would you raise your hand today and say yes in response to God all over this room? Just raise it up. If you either need to get cleaned up or you need to speak out more at your school or work or wherever, come on. Father in heaven, I pray that you will help us at Crossroads Church to let Hendricks County know in the west side of Indianapolis that Jesus is coming. That, that we would not be like people in the dark. That, that we would not be like people who don't have a clue. But rather, we'd be clued in people we, we would be people that anticipate that this could be the day. And so we live different than other people live. We spend our money different than other people spend theirs. We, we schedule our day a lot different than other people do. We conduct business a lot differently as a result. And God, help us to lift our eyes like we preached last week and see the harvest that's around us because you said this good news needs to be preached to everyone, everyone possible, and then the end will come. 
God, help us to do our part. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. It may be you that needs to do your part. Maybe you're here today and the conviction in your life is that you're not ready. You personally are not ready because you have not made Jesus Lord of your life. You've not accepted him as Lord and Savior. And today your, your concern is if Jesus were to come, you, you'd be lost. You're not a part of his family. You're not vibrantly connected. You're not filled with the Spirit. You're, you're not a person who, who's vibrantly in touch with Jesus day after day after day. And so today, the good news is you have this moment. You have this moment to reach out to him and to allow him to change your life forever. If you need God to change your life today, if you want to invite Jesus into your life and, and you want to make him Lord over your life, just raise your hand right now in this room. Just say, yeah, that's me, that's me. I, I want to be ready for the return of the Lord. And while they're doing that online, just type the word decided in the chat and we'll know that we need to be praying for you as well. But let's all pray. Come on, let's all pray so those around us will pray this prayer as well. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. I believe through his death that he paid for my sin. So today I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Wash away my past. Give me a new beginning. From this day forward, I want to live for you. Thank you for accepting me as a child of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate those who prayed that prayer. So awesome. Listen, you can text words uh, from wherever you are and, and, and text the words that they'll pull up on the screen uh, here for us uh, and, and a response to today's message, whatever that means for you. I was talking to some people recently and they said, we need to get baptized. That's what we need to do. And I said, well, since you're here, you can just go across the hall uh, to our next steps room and find out what that is. So same thing today for all of you. If you need a next step, if you need to get in a group and, and live life with other people and encourage other people because the end of time is coming, uh, then get in a group today and uh, let someone help you. Let's stand to our feet as we close in prayer. And I'm gonna ask our prayer partners to come forward. If you need prayer for any reason before you leave today, these guys will be more than happy to pray with you and to pray for you before you leave. Father in heaven, we thank you that this could be the day that our Lord returns. This could be the day that we join you forever in heaven. But God, even if it isn't, help us to live like it is and help us to share like it is with those around us. God, meet every need at this altar and touch every life in Jesus' name.